0: Welcome.
1: Welcome. Oh no, that was my job. Oh, sorry. Rob sorry. Go ahead. Let's try this again. Welcome to the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined with my other host, Rob McMichael. Hello, Rob. Hello, Timothy. Thanks for stealing my thunder in that beginning. but I really tried. I was actually trying to jump ahead of you a I time. made a full recovery. I made
0: a full recovery. It was good. It, good it was good.
1: All right. We got a lot for you guys on today's show. I'm trying to make this sound more official, so yeah. I figured I'd try and be more into it and more, hey, we got a jam-packed show for everyone <laughs> out there listening, because there are so many of
0: you listening to this show. All 10
1: of you. Listen carefully. I think with the last podcast, we hit a, a solid 15 or 20.
0: I Yeah, I could go with that. Okay,
1: cool. Um, anyway, but we do have, have a lot to get to in today's episode, for sure. A lot of uh, things have changed, as we know, Rob. We woke up a couple of days ago to a whole different country. Yep. So the world's burning. That's it. This is the end of the, uh, really, end of days. Fascism um, is here. Yes, yes. But we'll get into that later on. Um, I promise, though, this will not be a political episode. Uh, Rob and I have discussed at length behind the scenes, and have decided that there's really not much more we can say in our either approval or disapproval of certain political stances. So we'll give our analysis on the election, talk about that for a few minutes. Right. Then, but then we're going to move into our main our main discourse, so to speak. Yes. Let's start, though, with the usual, Rob. Um, today's coffee. What are we drinking today, Rob?
0: Uh, today's coffee is Starbucks, actually. We've moved away from the imported Dunkin' Donas. And uh, moved on to Starbucks, some cinnamon flavor or something. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, yes,
1: it actually is very good. I'm, I'm not a big fan of flavored coffees usually because you can usually tell when there's a chemical flavor in right. there. This is pretty decent, though. Yeah. It's And for a late night, because we're recording kind of late tonight, it does hit the spot. So cheers, Rob, to another, another episode and uh, some delicious
0: coffee. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Hits the spot. Hits the spot. And uh, – Tim did make the coffee. Normally, I'll make the coffee, and I tend to make it a little bit on the weaker side.
1: That's because you're a weak white man. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a good point. <laughs> Tim definitely made the coffee tonight, because I feel like I have
1: six cups of coffee in this one. Listen, we need all the energy we can get. I'm happy we did it. So <laughs> let's move right along into um, really the election that happened. Uh, talk about that for a few minutes here. So honestly, I was, I was shocked that Donald Trump
0: is now our president. Are you not equally shocked as well? I was flabbergasted, I'm pretty sure. I I couldn't believe it. And we were texting that night, and I told you at 9.30, because I remember when I was looking at the polls, I was like, Tim, Trump is going to win. I I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I know, me either
1: it was surreal to see I'm watching all the numbers come in and Trump's just pulling away I'm checking Google Maps I'm checking CNN I'm checking MSNBC and you know when MSNBC has Trump ahead he's really definitely ahead because if they can skew it any way towards one side you know of course Fox News pretty much called a victory at like 10 o'clock for Trump (laughs) AM exactly like all the numbers
0: are in it looks like Trump wins you
1: know but honestly you know all that aside I was genuinely shocked and I think most Americans were genuinely shocked I think both candidates were shocked oh yeah no for sure I think Trump looked and said wait wait are we actually we did it wait I'm actually going to be president oh boy T- time to put some substance to all this talk and I think Hillary Clinton I can only imagine being a fly on the wall watching the, the numbers come in I think she lost it. I think she was screaming, cursing, throwing things. I really do. No, I mean, she was probably
0: so ticked that she
1: lost to a guy as crude and crass as Donald Trump. You know I'm right.
0: You're 100% right.
1: That also shows, though just how bad her public perception
0: is oh for sure i mean
1: the public chose a guy that we all know his comments in the past who has said things that are really in any other context pretty reprehensible
0: and they chose him over hillary Clinton. but what amazed me the most was so we look at his comments and we're like oh man he's misogynistic or sexist or whatever the case is sure he won the majority of white suburban women votes I know. It's shocking. It, it, it's
1: shocking. Now he's in. He's getting ready to take, to take over office. His plans in place. And we'll see where all this goes. Um, this is where rubber meets the road and all that rhetoric that you talk in the election. Right. You're going to see how much you can really get done, which I don't think is going to be as much as, as he wants to. But anyway, that's for a whole different time. But yes, I was I was completely shocked over all of this. And I can I cannot believe that I am saying President Trump. <laughs> I mean, think about where, where, we, where we were a year ago. He was a joke. Right. People in the primaries, oh, it's Trump. He's, oh, come on. He's just, he's he's a clown. Funny. Yeah, he's a town jester. Or j- jester? Jester. Jester. Not a jester. Yeah. A jester. Yeah, jester. Got it, got it. Um, and now he's the president. He's the president. This, this means a lot. The Democrats have a lot to think about because they just got vetoed big time it, by the American people.
0: I think it was a... Uh... I think it was a, a bold statement to politicians in general, Yeah, saying, we're sick of politicians.
1: Right, right. The ironic part about that, though, is that Donald Trump, he's a billionaire. That's still an elitist. And right. so far, it seems, like, it seems like the people he's picking in his cabinet are not outsiders. They're pretty much insiders. But anyway, that's a whole different discussion. But right. yeah, I mean, we'll see where that goes. But I do want to talk about Christians in the News Da-da,
0: da-da, da-da, da-da. Thank you Rob.
1: Yes, I was giving I, I was giving you the cue with my hand there to
0: to chime yeah. right in. And then I yeah, I picked up on it. I'm a little slow today. Yeah, More a little coffee.
1: late. Yeah, keep drinking that coffee. But and this isn't really I mean honestly, this isn't really just Christians in the news, but one thing we got to talk about regarding this whole election is the complete swapping of sides <laughs> in one day from conservatives and liberals alike. Because in one day all the ones who were who were claiming unity and it's not a rigged election and that, you know, we are gonna accept whatever the vote is, all of a sudden now is protesting and they're on Facebook saying hashtag not my president and they're all they're on the complete opposite side, and they're 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 quote unquote genuinely fearful, which is how a lot of Christians felt when Obama got in. Whether it was valid or not is right. a whole different discussion. But and when Obama got in, all these Christians were fearful and upset and not my president. I'll never support him. And now with Trump, what's the message? Oh, unity. Oh, it was a fair election. It was never rigged. Oh, we need to be supportive of the president. Oh, we have to pray for the president. I have never seen more pray for our president than I have in the past like week and than I have in eight years. It's it's really something. It's All of a sudden, both sides understand the other side. And forgot about their own side. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, All they, of a sudden they now they
0: swap sides and forgot where they were.
1: Right, exactly. All of a sudden <laughs> now the the liberal can't understand or the liberal understands where the Christian might have been coming from with Obama, but won't give uh the Christian that 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 credit by saying, you know, now I know what you mean by saying that you felt fearful. And the ironic part about this is that. If I tell, if I if I try and tell someone, hey, listen, I know you feel a certain way, but realistically, I mean, what is Trump going to do regarding gay rights? He's not going to do much. He's oh, even said he not. doesn't really care. But that logic doesn't matter to someone like who who feels that way. They don't hear me. Just like how Christians, even though we can still say the word Jesus, pastors are still preaching. Not one Christian's been thrown in prison. They were so fearful over losing their rights over the past eight years, and we're still here. We're all still here. No one's been arrested. So it's amazing to see this cycle and seeing the flip-flop all of a sudden, just like that, just overnight, and no one can understand the other side. No one can understand the other side. It, it, it genuinely, it just, it, it baffles me. It baffles me. I mean, can you not see it? You know what no, I'm talking about, oh, right? Exactly what I'm not crazy. About. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> It's insanity is what it is. Oh, it's complete insanity. I cannot tell you in the past eight years how many people who I've known or I've seen who were Christians who have said he's not my president. People call him B.O., as a way to mock him, I mean, right. he's received a lot of flack from Christians. And all, oh bummer! Oh yeah, oh bummer. Care, you know, uh, he was—he's from Kenya. I mean, I've heard Christians say that, but now that Trump's in, oh no, unity, unity. We have to support our candidate. I mean, I would believe that more if they supported Obama, mm-hmm. even though they did they didn't—they—they they did not agree with him. Right. Right. And now liberals again what no this is rigged let's vote out the electoral vote get rid of the electoral college (laughs) it's worked for 200 years get rid of it also i gotta say one thing and this is a little more partisan I'm, i'm sorry take it however you will but seeing these these millennials in cry circles and seeing professors you know telling students oh you can take time away during your midterm to grieve the process you need to wake up i mean this is reality this is reality this is the real world, and if you're really upset about that, if you're that upset, get involved at the local level and change things. I mean, honestly, but seeing millennials cry over this stuff, see them in—they—they they call them cry groups, where they get in in circles to let out their emotions and how they feel. We all know if Hillary—if Hillary got elected, that would not be a thing. And yeah. if someone who was a Trump supported—Trump uh, supporter—was that distraught. And they'd said, be
0: like, uh, go away. Well, they'd
1: be called racist. <laughs> oh, you're so distraught over not electing a racist president? You're a racist person? That's what they would say. Yeah. So it's very amazing to me to watch this whole thing unfold. Well, I feel like you and I and some, some other people are sitting in the popcorn stands in the bleachers. Oh, absolutely. Going, it's a great show. Are you guys show. seeing this? It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I was, I was listening to a professor of law. I forget what university he's at. But he was talking about how these law students are getting together in support groups and having safe spaces. He's like, you guys realize you're going to be in court one day and you're going to be defending these cases. Right. And he's like, this isn't a tragedy. A tragedy is when you're defending a rape victim and the jury goes against you even though your victim is... Was right. taken advantage of. Exactly right. He's like, this isn't a trauma. Exactly right. You will be in a trauma. No. Grow up, snowflakes. Well, it's the
1: complete truth. It really is. It's an election. The process was the process. It went overall pretty smooth. There's no reports that we know of at this point of anything right. being rigged. It's the will of the people. And guess what? In four years, you can vote again. Just like how Christians have, quote unquote, survived eight years of Obama, you will survive eight, four, eight years of Trump. You will you right. absolutely will. And that's also why our government has checks and balances. Even though it's a majority controlled house and senate right now, there are still checks and balances all along the way. Plus, people forget, Trump is not cut from establishment GOP. They're going to be there's they're, they're going to have so oh, they're much infighting. Block. Yeah. Oh I'm yeah. Not, I'm not worried about it. But anyway, I just I had to get that off my chest because I could not believe that people were truly crying and needed safe space over an election. I mean, <laughs> can you
0: be any more spoiled, honestly? Uh, can you uh. really the, I I saw a meme that was like this is what happens when you give participation trophies uh, to everyone
1: well Babylon B did a satire article <laughs> yeah. over that it was hilarious yeah it was so good so but well so that's that that's the election and it, it is uh, I don't know we're, we're gonna move on life moves
0: on and time will tell time we will could, tell I mean you, you even saw it in the election night the Dow futures it that proves the uncertainty even though the Dow is up and yeah. the numbers are good the Dow futures are all about uncertainty. That's right. what they predict. Right. And they were like, "We don't know what's going to happen in the Trump presidency." Yeah. And
1: yeah. we can't. I don't think even Trump knows. No. Definitely. <laughs> Honestly, not. I don't think he
0: knows. And too many people are trying to call this presidency before he even takes office. Like, give him a little time, like, even a month. Right. Give <laughs> him something. Absolutely. Again, liberals want us to give
1: Barack Obama a chance, but and, don't give Trump a chance. Right. But don't give Trump a Trump a chance. Also, I might one last thing I'll say before we move on. I'll never forget when Obama got elected Rush Limbaugh came under a lot of flack for saying that I hope his, I hope uh, Barack Obama's policies fail and his point was saying that I don't believe in his views so that's why I hope that they fail that way it proves that 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 socialism doesn't work not that Obama was even that socialist but you get the point it was it was rhetoric but people were flipping out over how disrespectful this was and again here we are eight years later a guy they don't want in office not my president I'm not supporting this racist you know man who's full of bigotry it's like give the guy a chance and <laughs> give, give the guy a chance don't you right. want this us to all succeed so anyway I digress, Rob. I digress. Enough time on politics. We've, we've, we've had almost four podcasts about it. Yeah. So I want to give you the floor for a little bit because you messaged me tonight uh, about what you wanted to talk about, and I thought it was a pretty good topic. So why don't you go and start the conversation off here on, on what has been on your heart lately regarding actual theology and Christian living. Right. Yeah. You know, it, what, what this podcast is all about, apparently.
0: <laughs> what? Yeah. Lately, it's been coffee, theology, and or coffee, politics, and it has. a little I, bit of Jesus. I fully admit it. <laughs> But uh, so we wanted to get back to some more practical living kind of stuff, and Joey and I actually were sitting down and we were having a long discussion last night, and we were just talking about, you know, Christ in marriage. We were talking about Christian living. We were talking about, you know, praying together, reading together, all of the things that a quote unquote Christian couple should be doing, and it it's been something that's been. Burned in on us lately it's something that we want to instill more in ourselves and then reach out and instill in others so i figured this would be a good time to talk about what's been on our hearts tim you have a good input on these things normally so i wanted to bring it up and uh, normally no not tonight <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> but that's that's really where we're going tonight is a christ centered marriage what does it look like and what i kind of wanted this to be a more open discussion so i'm going to be very open about things that we've been struggling with um, and hopefully we'll have a pretty good discussion and we'll get some feedback from our listeners as well as they as they listen
1: yeah i mean let's see i've been married now 4 months so still, you're an expert yeah so yeah definitely a season pro <laughs> but i am starting to hit that point of marriage where I'm starting to see some some patterns, right? I'm starting to get into some kind of rhythm. We have kind of our culture starting to take shape. It's still very early in that process, but we have the materials to build something, right? right. And it has been interesting you say this because um, – I'm realizing how difficult it is to not necessarily keep a mental Christ centered marriage. I mean, Sarah, Sarah and I know where we stand on those things, right. but it's hard to have an outward expression of those things together as often as we like to, whether it's reading the word, uh, together in the morning or it's even praying for each other in, in, in ways that are more than just praying over your food. Yeah. Right. You know, like God, thanks for this food. Also, uh, I pray for Sarah that you, that you give her a great day. Amen. But like really praying for her or her praying for me, um, and it is difficult to do that. And there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's kind of awkward, frankly. And I'm like, this is weird. Why Why is this awkward? It shouldn't feel awkward. Sometimes it's just a matter of we'd rather watch an episode of Parks and Rec than, than read the word together. Right. And sometimes it's also just lack of time where, especially both of us working retail right now, if I'm closing and she's opening, we're just on different time completely and so we are kind of like two ships passing in the night especially these past few weeks where she's been closing so late and i'm opening so early i see her when she gets in bed and i see her when i get out of bed and repeat for a couple days so it is difficult for sure it definitely is i'm realizing that part that it, it is a challenge
0: and i think the challenge is only growing because our culture as a society is growing faster and not not growing in number faster, but growing in speed faster. Everything, our jobs are requiring more time from us. Our, you know, extracurriculars, if you want to call them that, are requiring more time. Um, we have two kids now. I, I can't, imme- I can't tell you how fast the days have been going. Right, it's like, man, I, it's been three weeks since X, Y, and Z, or whatever the case is. And just the culture, especially in the Northeast. The culture just goes so quickly, and sometimes we get caught up in that and don't stop and let ourselves live in the moment and think logically about things that are going on. Yeah,
1: it's it's hard to develop those habits, even if you've had them before you got married.
0: Yeah, um,
1: And it's also interesting because when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s instead of my late 20s, when I was in that time frame, and I was part of a community where we pursue the Lord together so often, and I had that time to devote to them all the time. It was easy to do that. And I'm thinking to m- I always thought to myself, man, how do adults like not do this anymore? I don't understand. And being a little older now and having different, different responsibilities like being a husband or a job and thinking about how am I going to pay bills and just things that our culture kind of brings onto us, right? That right. are somewhat normal for our culture, but are time consuming and also thought consuming as well. It, I can see how you can drift from not your faith, but but from your spiritual practices, right? And I think that I think that that the spiritual practices are kind of like hitting the gym, but for your soul. And if you're not hitting that gym all the time, eventually you start getting out of shape. Maybe you remember, maybe you still remember the techniques that you did, but they're not being instilled in you all the time. And it definitely is is difficult. I'm realizing I'm realizing that more and more completely um what i've had to do with sarah is one thing that we do no matter what is we always ask um how can i pray for you today so if she is leaving for work she'll wake me up and ask me that and vice versa and if we have time we'll pray over each other in that moment and it's a good thing because it it kind of builds some kind of spiritual discipline inconsistently even if it's a small prayer or if it's just you know or or if it's or if it's prayer for something small um, for instance, you know, Hey, I hope that my day at work goes smooth. Just pray yeah, for that. I, ha- I had a rough day yesterday. I hope right. It's or today. for energy, I'm kind of feeling tired or I'm whatever it is. Um, but th- those things for us have helped us maintain that, but it is interesting watching us go from in the beginning of marriage, doing the, uh, a devotion every morning, making breakfast together. And then it, then life just kind of gets in there and all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore. And it's easy for just, just. To, to really vanish And think to yourself A month later Wow we haven't opened up
0: that book In almost a month Where did the time go? Right Yeah I was I was reading something by Paul Tripp uh, The other day And one of the One of the lines that really stuck out to me And I think got me thinking on this thing was If Christ isn't the center of the 10,000 small things in a day He's not the center of your life And It the, the point that I was reading was just making, you know, raising kids, you know, you're, you have that day where Elijah is just at his wits end and he's just not having a good day. Those are the times where our mind should go, you know what, this reminds me of the gospel. Why? Because I've acted like this with my creator so many times and the gospel came in and it's only by God's grace that I can even live a life remotely pleasing to him. This, this situation should remind me of the gospel, and I should have a little more grace towards him at that moment. But if I'm not thinking of those things in those moments, then is Christ really the center of my life? Is Christ really the center of my marriage? When Julie and I are having a disagreement, am I thinking, you know, it, is what she said true at all? Is, what she, is there any truth in that? Can Can I be better for her? How can I pray for her? Like you were saying, those are those are kind of all of the small, like little things throughout the day that if Christ is the center, those should all be reminders of, this is God's grace, this is God's care for me, this is how Christ would view this situation or whatever the case is. How can I continually bring Christ into the little things that are even happening?
1: Well, what, what do you think stops Christ from coming into those things,
0: like in, in, in your experience? I. So Julie and I were talking about several things uh, last night and I th- I said to her I feel like sometimes in I couldn't speak for her I can't speak for anybody else I can speak for me sure um, sometimes we get a little too self-focused and, or at least I do and not that that's even a bad thing it could be I'm working so I can provide for my family I'm, I'm doing this or that so I can get these things accomplished but what, we, what I neglect to give credit to is I'm doing this for, not for myself, I'm not doing this for my family, I'm ultimately living my life for the glory of God. That's why, you know, I look at the, the words of Christ and he says, Father, I have glorified you in the earth. I've finished the work that you have given me to do. And some, I just lose that, that focus. And I think, okay, I have to do this so that X, Y, and Z happens. I have to do this so my family has a roof over their head and they have food on the table. And it just becomes a little too self-focused so that I lose track of the gospel in every situation. I lose track of God's care in every situation. And when we focus too much on ourselves, that's, that's really what happens. I wonder, do you think part of this is
1: also um almost an unattainable standard that we see in like the Instagram social media world of those people who always post got in the word today had a great time doing devos and journaling just felt God's presence so thick in the room you know things like that right. and then you think well I haven't felt God's presence like that before am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong does that make sense because Sometimes I'll read, like I'll, I'll be reading a book, a biography about someone, and in the biography, years and years will pass so it gets, until it gets to the next point in the story, and they don't have all those little details that are filled in the the mundane things, right? The things that are day to day. I wonder sometimes, am I do I just have an unrealistic standard of of what my day to day might look like because I have this view of well, if every moment is in some radical, you know, emotional God. God breathed moment that I must be not in touch with my Creator as much, or does that does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Because when that's your standard, when your standard is the Instagram accounts or the Facebook accounts or whatever, or uh, faith leaders who just have uh, a humongous anointing on their life and they say things that make me wonder. Like there are times where I, someone will say something and I think oh, I haven't felt God like that before. Does that mean that I'm not in relationship with him? Like, because I didn't feel him or I didn't have this miraculous moment where where God spelt his name out in coffee or something crazy, you know? You hear these crazy stories and you're like, well, God didn't do that for me, so am I really hearing from him? And I think that could be a trap that, that's easy to fall into because then you start manufacturing these moments. Right, you absolutely. start sitting there saying, well, I'm gonna just make this moment kind of happen. Then I can brag about it too. Instead of instead of going into the word and, and learning those disciplines, even without the 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 feeling quote unquote of of God in the room with you,
0: I think that's that can also play a part in this as well, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, yeah, I I think when yeah <laughs> we we live in a, a a time of social media pressure where we all have. The pressure from, as you said, looking at those accounts and being like, "Oh man, I, I don't have that," but then also the pressure to look good for others too, where I have to I have to post my uh, my alone time with God right. for the world to see, right? Because how else will they know that I'm doing it? Exactly. It's like, well, they don't have to know that you're doing right. it.
1: Well, what does Jesus say in Matthew? You know, to the Pharisees who pray out in the street with their arms wide open and yelling and shouting, they've received the reward in full right right there that's the reward people recognize them but there's nothing on the on the other side of that and you're absolutely right the the standard that is set through social media and just the internet really it it can create really unhealthy mindsets um just like how how models can create unhealthy mindsets for women and for mm-hmm. men of like the, what the standard of beauty is the same thing can be said i think for spiritual um like just a, a spiritual life when you see, you know those people you see on Facebook where you think, what do you do for a living? <laughs> you're always traveling. You're always somewhere cool. You're always posting some unique breakfast on some mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, there's like some cool verse and the, the filter is just right. And there's your journal that's like all full. And I think to myself, what do you, how do you have this much time? Like, did you hit the lottery or, or what? But that then I then I start thinking about my own life and I start comparing, which is always a bad yeah. start. Then I go, oh, but my life's kind of boring. I live... In an apartment, and I'm not really traveling like like how like how I would want to, and mm-hmm. I'm working at this place forty hours a week, and it's not my favorite, you know. And all of a sudden, all the, all these doubts start coming in, and then you start kind of second guessing everything in your life, and before you know it, you're down this spiral, you know, mentally that is so unhealthy, and you start doubting everything even thinking well did i marry the right person or is this what is this is what what marriage is supposed to be really i mean they're just honest doubts or thoughts that that cross i think at some point everyone's mind where you have to kind of catch yourself before you before you go down to a place that isn't even it's not reality anymore but you've let that that social media influence really affect how you perceive your real reality which i think is really really dangerous for sure
0: yeah absolutely um I was just reading an article, you know, touching base on that, um, on living a life for others to see. Um, and it was, you know, how to keep Christ the center of your marriage or whatever the case is. And one of the, the tips that they gave was do, do a secret outreach together. So get together with your spouse, pray about it and then reach out to your local community right around where you are and do something that will affect the community and your neighbors and don't tell anyone else about it don't go to your church and say hey pray for us we're having a barbecue at our house on saturday for our neighbors don't let them know yeah let that be between you your spouse and god and that will create a bond that you're not you're not pressurized by you know those around you and you you then don't give pressure to the other members of your church would say, well, we're not having a barbecue on Saturday and uh, I, right. I guess I'm not a good Christian then. Right. And I think it's we, really good. We, we do that almost accidentally and almost just because our American culture has programmed us to think that way is, well, if you're doing something, then I have to do it too. But if we, if we do more of a, a Daniel type work of praying in closets and doing work that not everyone else sees, I think, The American culture as a whole would be much healthier and the gospel would be much more effective. It's really, it's really the spiritual version of keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah.
1: That's what it is, right? It's, oh, well, this person's doing this great outreach and then you either feel guilty or you feel, or you feel like you have to outdo them or something like that. And it, it really is amazing when you talk about this stuff out loud, like how crazy it sounds. But I think that the reality in a lot of people's heads, when you start comparing who's more quote-unquote spiritual. But at the same time, getting back to what you were even talking about originally, what are those healthy spiritual disciplines that that are so key for a, a marriage to be centered on that keeps it healthy, that keeps it God-focused? Because the bottom line is that I do want my wife and I together on our knees, praying before the Father for, for His will in our life. I, do, I don't I do wanna feel, um, I, I don't wanna look back in five years from now when we have kids and go, you know, Sarah, we had a real opportunity five years ago to really travel and, and do missions work in a whole different way, but we can't now because we're in a different season, but, but we missed out because we were afraid of the risk. Right. So I don't wanna be that person either where I get complacent and I look back and there's five years of marriage out the window. I pretty much worked and we paid bills for, for the past five years, now we're gonna have kids. And, I look, and we look back, Back and say why didn't we just travel more when we could if we had the money who you know, it all worked out anyway so that's the other side of the coin for me that i was kind of i live in this tension of i don't want to be this person on facebook trying to prove how great my spiritual life is but i do want those things and i don't i don't think my my friends need to know about those things publicly but i do want sarah and i to travel more we, we want to go to india you know we do have a heart for orphans eventually we do want to adopt but it can be hard to start that it, I feel like I'm always dreaming about about well one day, and then I look back and one day was 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 five years ago. Right. <laughs> and one day, one day came and went, and I never caught it in the moment. So that's that's the other side of the struggle that I have as well, where I'm thinking about well, what are healthy spiritual things that we can do together, and how do you find it in especially in the Northeast in such a busy culture? Do you guys have anything that you guys do consistently as a
0: couple that's kind of kept kept you guys grounded in that time? So that was one of the things we're we were talking about last night was the things that we've kind of let get away from us since kids have entered in and what mm. you're you hit the nail on the head and you you get to that stage of life and you're just like man we should have set ourselves up better for this time that we're in mm. and just being real it's it's a very difficult process to start once you've let it go with kids and so now we have second kid and it time just goes and goes and goes and we were we were sitting there last night we just watched like an episode of two or of Gilmore girls and i was like why did we do that why why did we spend you know an hour and a half watching gilmore girls when my bible's sitting right over there and i was like i i i have these moments where um kind of eternity gets made real yeah yeah I, I, absolutely i think there's there's moments where all of us have had that at least where Eternity is made very real mm. And it's like when I get to heaven it's God's not going to be like, well, did Lorelei Gilmore uh, <laughs> in episode four right It's not gonna matter right but what will matter is did I share the gospel with my neighbor on Saturday when I was raking the leaves or whatever the case is and it's so it's what can we do today that will set us up for those? those uh, situations tomorrow and I think one of the most vital things is something that you and Sarah are already doing is be in constant prayer it doesn't have to be long you don't have to pray for 45 minutes about their spouse and every single thing one thing that Julie and I used to do and we're starting it back up and getting back on track is every night we would kind of write down and when we can't pray for every single person every single night so we would do like Mondays, all right, we're gonna pray for our out of state friends that we don't see all the time. So we just run through a list and we say, hey, what, what can I pray for you? I would text them and say, what's going on in your life right now? What can we pray about? And when you have that spiritual mind to think about what's going on in other people's lives, it encourages you because now you're bringing those people before the throne. And I think that's what grounded Paul um, you always see in all of his letters, he had a very intimate knowledge about all of the people that he was writing to. Mm. He knew everything that was going on, and this wasn't a day of Facebook. He didn't log on to online and check right, his emails right. and was like, oh, this is going on in Philippi. Right, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but he always knew, and it's because he had that that mindset, I'm going to be praying for these people, and if I'm going to pray for them, I have to know what's going on. So he always had an interest in knowing what was going on. I think that's one thing that can ground a couple is being interested in people that don't live in your house. You hit the nail on the head in so many ways. I,
1: as you were talking, I thought about how, for you know, and again, I can only speak for myself, right? But I, I have a feeling I'm not the only one with this dilemma. But I do catch myself. Um, where, where, you know, um, I'll be driving, I'll think, whoa, we haven't prayed together in days, or we haven't read the Bible, and then I almost kind of feel guilty, not not guilty, but almost anxious is a good word, right? I feel like, well, we gotta do that. We have to, we, we have to get back on track. We have to get back, like, in, Almost, almost, kind of like what I'm saying is, I have to get back in my relationship with Jesus, even though I know it's there, but it feels like it's so weak because I haven't pursued it with my wife, right? Right, and then I I start texting Sarah, and Sarah, who's not a verbal processor, is almost blindsided and like, well, you know, she's much more stable than I. Thank the Lord, but she's (laughs) like, listen, like we are focused. I, I'm with you, but. You can't freak out. We, have, we will, let, let, let's build it into our schedule and let's pursue the Lord. And then I get worried because I think, well, I haven't pursued the Lord on my on my own, and neither has she. Are we still walking this like how we always wanted to? So I I almost end up kind of second guessing myself in these moments. But a big thing I always come back to that really causes I think a big part of this are is the distraction of media. Um, I don't I don't know if we realize in our culture how much of a distraction. TV shows and movies and the internet really are and how they really put us, We they make us really focus on things that don't in the long run matter. I mean, here's, here's the bottom line, right? I love superheroes. I love all the Marvel movies. I love them. But my goodness, sometimes people, including myself, talk about them like they really exist, and they don't. But right. people treat them like they do. People have whole industries around fictional characters, and they have whole discussions, and they devote their lives to figuring out how so-and-so in this timeline worked out this way. But in the, in the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? Or I think about something like Star Wars. I love Star Wars but people take it so literal, they take it so serious, but at the end of the day, it's a made-up world that doesn't exist. And I'm not saying we shouldn't watch those things. they are right. fine to watch. But for me, they're a distraction because they will—they get me thinking about things that I look back on. And I think, why did I waste my time binge-watching 10, 10 seasons of this show? It, I'm not a better person because of it. Right. I didn't bond with my neighbor because of it. I didn't get any closer to God because of it. But I could have used that time to read the Word and to understand the, how God works and to – Invite my neighbor over for lunch. So I do find that for me, I I get convicted kind of randomly with how much I, I consume media sometimes. Where I get home and I'm tired. What do I do? What's the first thing I do? Oh, let me see what's on Netflix. Let me see what's on YouTube mm-hmm. instead of reading. Or I mean, heck, even reading a book is a better option than throwing on YouTube or Netflix a lot of times. So, yeah. You know, sometimes I'll find something good on Netflix that is educational. But overall, if I put all the time, I I, I had or i i've used into um reading books that i have into watching tv shows i I would probably blow through a couple hundred books by now thousand books easily (laughs) good ones too so it, it, it is amazing how as we talk about this i'm thinking out loud here how much of a distraction media really is for me um when it comes to almost choosing like my time with the lord intimately or a tv show that really doesn't matter yeah you know and then i think with sarah and i we get so tired sometimes from work we just want to veg out so we'll have we'll have a night together but we'll just watch tv shows which listen every now and then you need that kind of time right yeah i totally get it but when it becomes this habit and it's, it's it's your what I call your default. What do you default to? When you get home, what's the first thing you do? For me, I put my book back down. I throw TV on because I hate having silence. And then I figure out something else. Either I find something on TV or I clean while I'm watching TV. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely do I start worshiping or do I start journaling or do I read the word or think about how am I being a husband to Sarah? It's not that often, but I want it to be. And that's, that, I think, is the big struggle. It's the big struggle.
0: Yeah. And... It's so cliche as a Christian culture to say, well, you need to read read and pray every day. And we kind of just say it offhandedly without right. thinking right. of the the ramifications of doing it versus not doing it. And, you know, the, the cliche example is if I came home and I didn't talk to Julia, I didn't look at Julia, and I didn't acknowledge that she was there, but... When I was at work, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm married. Julie and I live together and all of this. But I was like, well, I haven't really talked to her in three weeks. And um, we, we don't really spend any time together. They'd be like, well, <laughs> you don't really have a good relationship, do you? And sometimes in my Christian life, that's how I treat God is, yeah, I, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But, yeah, yeah, I know you didn't see me pray for my food today, and I, I actually haven't talked to him in a while. And, and yeah, he wrote me this book with uh, some instructions in it, but I, I haven't really read that in a while. And so it's, it, it makes you start to think, is my relationship as strong as I, as I want others to believe it is? Exactly. and You're absolutely right. So you have to come back and just say, all right, no, if, if, I, want, if I want this relationship to work, it's not just God pursuing me, I also have to pursue God. That's why you know seek seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these other uh aspects of your Christian life will kind of fall into place when we get to know the God who has given everything for us. Right. That's really what the relationship with Jesus Christ is about. It's getting to know him. We're going to spend eternity with him. Right. I'd rather know some things when I get there sure. than have to learn it all when I right. when And I also for this
1: life, too. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it's amazing how
1: right your parents are. Oh, my <laughs> word. It is. Hopefully it, you're not listening. It is. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you guys heard that, I was just kidding. Um, but it's true. I mean, especially the older I get, especially now that I'm married, I know kids are going to happen. It's amazing how right they were about so many different things and how wise they were and just... Scripture verses that I was that were ingrained uh, in into my head as a kid, I use in times of worry. Man, I recite scripture that I learned as a kid that I never thought I would ever use again. Or I thought, "Why am I learning this verse?" Now I know why. Right? You know, when I'm when I'm having anxiety or when something is not going the right way, I'm, I'm panicking. All I can do is pray this scripture. And so then I think, "Well, I haven't learned new scripture in forever. So how long is this scripture going to last me before I need you know to keep kind of digging in? Like, how long can that initial um, bursts of, of spiritual growth in, in my early 20s really hold me over before I'm back to square one. Um, so yeah, I it's, it's really amazing how the older you get, the more you need this. And it feels like the less time you either have and sometimes the less desire you have. I mean, it is, yeah. in the morning especially, you know, I go to bed at night thinking in the morning I want to wake up, I want to journal a page, I want to read the word for a little bit and pray and you know, I have all day for media. I, I don't want to get into media in the morning. And when I wake up the first thing I do is grab my phone, the first thing I want to do is turn on SportsCenter. Center. I don't even watch sports. I just like, I just have <laughs> like the background noise of Sports Center on and I have to tell myself no. Like take a minute and be present with the Lord, journal, read the word, pray for a little while, but it's hard to do. My body doesn't want to, but I want to. It's exactly what Paul said. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. It's very similar to that just paradox of, in one sense, I really want to do it, but in another sense, I don't want to do it at all at the same exact time. And it's very weird to have that. It's very weird. It's very difficult because I, I want to push through. I want to read the word. Right. I want to be a better husband. What husband doesn't want to be a better husband or wife want to be a better right. wife? What Christian doesn't want to know the Lord better? We all want those things, right? The That's not the problem. It's not a matter of, of want. It's almost a matter of the will and of making time for it to actually do it, to actually say, you know what? I'm going to prioritize Reading the Word today over this TV show. I'm going to prioritize um, praying with with my wife over watching a TV show together tonight. We're just going to pray and we're going to worship together and pursue the heart of God in our in our apartment together. But it's hard to do that when it, in that moment. Yeah, it's hard. Right now, I want to do that. When I get home tonight, I'm saying, "Eh, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> eh, I'm kind of exhausted. It's been a long day. I worked. I podcasted. I'll do it tomorrow morning." And then that that just never comes. Before you know it, it's been a month and you think where did
0: it go? Just, Just like that. It's amazing how how the the devil has been using that same tactic for centuries. It's like no no no, you're tired, you'll have time in the morning, don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. Then the morning comes you're like, well, I'll, I'll get to it this afternoon. Right. Yeah, right. And it's like why is this working? Right. And it's such a brilliant tactic because we are procrastinators. I think you are as much as I am. Uh, I really am. I'm it, better I'm getting better, but I'm still naturally I'm a procrastinator. Yeah, oh, I I feel you there. <laughs> and so we have to be I, I I was reading something and it was you have to be intentional about it. And you do. That's a hundred percent true. You have to be intentional about pursuing God. Or else it'll never happen. And I think that's that's a testament to we do have that warring inside of us. There's a spirit of God who wants to spend time with God, but then there's the flesh who wants to please itself. Yeah, And that's not always a, a sexuality thing. It's just a, myself wants to please me. So right. I want to sit down and I, I don't want to think about anything. I just want to watch TV and relax. Right. I Where the betcha. spirit of God is, I I want to have a relationship. I, I want to pursue. I want to get to know and we have to be intentional and say no to one thing and yes to the other
1: yeah but it's hard it's hard especially the older you get yeah the older you get the harder it is i mean i remember you know in my early 20s i was part of this group called 11th hour how community and pursuing the lord was so natural and easy we had we had a lot more time we were all young we were very zealous and then the older you got the more, the more people kind of dropped off a little bit and the more life kind of got in the way and careers and marriage and all this stuff. And before you know it, it's easy to blink and go, oh, I am – Like an adult, I'm just—I'm a Sunday morning Christian, and uh, I don't say bad words during the week, so I must be a good Christian, and uh, that's it. There's no depth. There's no theology. There's no study of God. It just kind of falls over to the wayside because other things kind of cram into your life, and somehow that's one of the first things to go is pursuing time with the Lord. It's amazing. You know, my TV show consumption hasn't probably changed at all in the past eight years, but my time with the Lord has. So what does that tell you? Yeah, right? our priorities. Right. That, that's That's exactly what it, what it tells you. It's not like I don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> right? It's not like I don't watch sports anymore or I just fell out of watching Marvel movies. No, I still watch all of those things. But when it comes to time to spending time with the Lord, I don't do that as often as I used to. That kind of That's the first thing to go. Which, again, when you say it, and logically that makes no sense, but it's the truth. That's what happens. It's the first thing to go is your time with the Lord. And all of a sudden you look back and you go, Oh my gosh, I'm that I'm that adult that I was criticizing in my early 20s for being just a Sunday morning Christian. And now I know how that happens. That's why it's so important to carve out time for community. It's so important to carve out time for the Lord. And it's also important that you are always remembering that the Lord's with you wherever you go, that every moment is really a spiritual moment. Yeah. You know, your work is a spiritual thing. Everything is tied to the spirituality of a human. Completely. I totally believe that. 100% but we forget that we get so sucked into our day-to-day and, and these little problems become mountains that really aren't even mountains and we forget about the living God inside of us who's directing us who is with us so we can always rely on that gives us peace we forget about it and then all of a sudden in a moment of need we all of a sudden we, we, we uh, remember our first love and we're back on our knees and we're saying God I'm so sorry where was I I need you more than ever for this one thing you know I mean if, if that I really believe that's why God really brings trials into the Christian's life. I least that's part of it to really remind us of, Hey, you still need me. Right. You know, you still need me. There have been moments in my life where I have no other option, but God, and I'm on my knees saying, all right, God, you got me. I have no other option. Either you do something or this is not going to work. Right. Like either you do something miraculous here or this is not going to work. And he does. And I think oh, I'm so stupid for forgetting about God. He's so good to me. And then a month later, I'm back to square one. I'm right. uh, back to square one. It is. It is really amazing the the cycle of the Christian right. I, God is so gracious. It's amazing. <laughs> He's so patient. He's so patient and so gracious. I mean, think about what He did with the Israelites, right? Think about that whole. What was it? Almost. Uh, How many years? Uh, Was it 400 years or so of just, you know, rebellion and back to God and rebellion and back to God and God, we'll follow your ways. And then we didn't. And then God sent judges and, you know, all these ins and outs. And we're happy. We love you, God. We hate you, God. We love you, God. And he waited so long. You know, he waited hundreds of years before he even. Enacted any kind of judgment on the Israelites to give them so many chances to really just get things together I think about how patient God is with us. Right. You know, I come back to God God I'm sorry. I forgot about you and he forgives and he's like yes, thank you I wanted to be in a relationship with you again And then we in a month later God, things were great talk to you later on and he becomes this like genie in a bottle the very thing that I don't want him to be. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden. On the, the very um, thing we profess that he isn't. Right. Yeah. The very thing that I've criticized others for making him out to be. All of a sudden he, he has become that. So it is it is a struggle for sure. And in a marriage especially, walking into marriage, being four months into marriage, man, I don't know how. And I don't mean this as in, in a rude way, Rob. But I don't know how couples who don't know the Lord survive. Right. I don't know. Because I'm selfish, I want to do things my way. You know, I don't want to always look out for Sarah. Uh, a lot of times, I want to do things my way. I don't always want to be married, and so so to speak, if that makes sense. Right. You know, there are yeah. days where you wake up and you're like, "Yeah, this is cool," but whatever. But without the Lord gluing you together, how do you do it? I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, a big challenge, and I I give credit to non-believers in successful marriages. They have. Devotion, devotion that I wish I had. Right, right. Um, but I, I think another another key point to keeping God the focus is something you were talking about is that community. So C.S. Lewis wrote about his lament about what friendship had become. It's just this shallow thing. You know, you don't really. It, it's not what God intended friendship to be. Hmm. And friendship is is something that is so vital. That's that's really why. God designed the local church to be what it is because he wanted to foster those friendships and community and that there can be a communal worship of him. That's that's how he intended that to be. But these you it's not just somebody you see on Sunday and say hi to and then you never see them. These are these are our relationships that God has put us in because we need the help throughout the week. We don't it's not just Sunday you come in. it's a hospital and you get bandaged up and you get through the week and then you come back to the hospital. These are people that we should be engaging all day, every day, really. And that's why, we, personally speaking, that's why Joy and I appreciate you and Sarah. You, You guys are, for us, people that we can say, hey, we're struggling with this, and you can hold us accountable. And you can say, hey, we're struggling with this, can you pray for us? And we'll do it. And those are the kind of relationships that we need if we really want to maintain a um, Christ-centered marriage. We need those friendships. We need those people that will hold us accountable. We need those people that we can be open and real with. And God puts those in our lives, and we kind of treat those as secondary. Well,
1: community is is, is the second thing to go.
0: <laughs> First one to go often is your time with the Lord.
1: Second thing to go is those deep friendships that you made when you were younger and you excuse it. And I do that. Oh, well, I'm so busy. Well, I'm married now. We have kids. You know, Work is killing me. But here's the thing. Humans love to rationalize. We all do it. I do it. You do it. Yeah. Conservatives do it. Liberals do it. Right. We, we all do it. <laughs> but We also like to. We also. We also can do. We also are stubborn enough to get what we want. If we really want community, we will make it work in our lives, right? If we really want those friendships, then we will. We'll make the effort. If someone wants something, they will get it. Usually, you know, whether it's that promotion or whatever it is, they'll get it. But community, for some, for some reason, especially in our again our culture, I, I don't think we realize how unique of a time we live in and how yes overall where we live is great and it's it's really good but there's there's really a price to pay and yeah. on the human level we we in a spiritual level we pay that price yes we have all the stuff we could want ever right we we have enough stuff to last us for a thousand years but when it comes to things that matter eternally we're really really desperate for it. And, and 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 we they're, they're the first things to go The first things to go are our friendships often the first things to go is our relationship with jesus in the sense of that intimacy that we used to have when we were younger in our in our quote unquote zealous years who says that your zealous years have to end when you get older they only end if you want them to end right right? they don't have to and community is the same exact thing it's the first thing to go because people get busy now listen community is going to change it's gonna change.
0: Yeah, it's not gonna you're be gonna, every night you're
1: hanging out right. till two a.m. And also, friends are gonna come and go a little bit. It's part of life. Some of my of my great friends, I don't see that often because they're they live in different parts of the country, or um, some other friends we just kind of grew apart. Not in a bad way. I don't mean I don't wish some. Ill, we're just not friends anymore. That's all. Like right. we just kind of moved on different circles. This person's passionate about this, I'm passionate about that. We don't really overlap, no big deal. But I've also met people in the past year or two that have become great friends of mine that I never knew until a year or two ago. Who who have never met me outside of being married or or, or have never met Sarah outside or outside of her married to me, right? And it's a great thing, and they're great people. So to a degree, friends are gonna You know, they're kind of going to, some of them are going to cycle out. Some of them will be there for life, right? Sometimes you make um, a friendship with someone that, that, that the embers are burned so hot. They stay lit your whole life. Even if you don't see each other that often, it's still a lit, it's still a lit fire, right? Um, I think about even us, we could see, we cannot see each other for months at a time. Nothing really changes. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, kind of how it goes. So that's part of it too, for sure. But I don't think that in our individualistic culture, we understand just how vital authentic friendships are because they let us know that we're not alone in these in these thoughts i think sometimes we think well no one thinks these things you know, I, sometimes I think people think, well, no, you know, Tim and Sarah probably don't struggle with this. You know, Tim and Sarah probably are great Christians who just worship every night and you know, the Holy <laughs> Spirit descends on them and there's a fog in the room whenever they walk out. It's like, no, like that, that's not how it is. And I'm sure my, the view of people that I have who I think do that, it's probably not that way either. Right. So, yeah. but you don't know unless you're friends with that person, unless you're willing to kind of go deep and say, yeah, we are struggling with just not being consistently in the word together. It's like, oh, well, Hey, me too. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one because you can feel like you're on your own island very easily. No one struggles with whatever this thought is. So I, I agree with you 100%, Rob, that community is is such an important piece to that. In fact, maybe in our next episode we can get more into that Yeah, because it's it's such a – I think especially in the church, it's one of the least practiced things. Right. I think that the church as a whole practices the Sunday morning gathering really well. I think we even practice the Bible study really well. We have the practice of of like church events really well. But the practice of just normal friendship, authentic community, things that, that you really can't quantify under a program or a ministry, we don't do well. And because of that, you have all these ministries with people that are cool. But once that ministry falls apart, all the friendships fall apart. That's not real friendship, right? That's just out of coincidence. That's like coworkers. When you leave that job, a lot of those people you just kind of fall away from because you're not in that job anymore. You might know one or two who you might keep friends with, but really the job is, is what's holding you together, right? Same thing in the church world. Ministries hold people together when they really shouldn't. The authentic friendship has to be there, so I think that could be a great topic for maybe or even even our next episode if we have time, because that is something that that when you have, you never want to let go. But if you don't have, you never you never realize how bad you needed it until it's too late. You know, until all of a sudden you have all these kids and you're old and you're going, I'm struggling, but who am I talked about this stuff, especially men, especially yeah. men, which is yeah. again a whole different discussion. So,
0: yeah, you you were you were talking about um, just how how our culture has has become and the only thought that was going through my mind was we've never been so connected with so little community so i can i can log on to facebook and i can touch base and look at every aspect of any person's life that i've ever known yep i can i am so connected to every person i can look at them on facebook instagram twitter uh, i can You know, jump a few years back and go to their MySpace and see who their top eight is. Yeah, or Zanga, booyah. (laughs) But we've never been so connected with so little community. It's almost like we're sacrificing community and we're thinking on Facebook, I like their status, so that means we must be having that fellowship together. But when was the last time we shut off Facebook and called them up on the phone and prayed with them on the phone? When was the last time we did... Uh, you know, just got together to sit around a campfire and just talk about struggles or right. whatever the case is. Yep, we've we've sacrificed so much because social media has taught us to, and it it gives us this false sense of community without those deeper friendships. So I I can definitely identify with C.S. Lewis on lamenting what friendship has become. Completely, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you 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 were talking about. Um, how we as Christians sometimes feel, I'm the only one that feels this way. I think that is another tool of the devil. It is divide and conquer. Because as Christians, if we feel we're the only person going through something, that, that is the worst place to be in. When really, if we were connecting with those around us, we would soon realize we're basically all going through the same things. And if we were having that relationship, we could talk about them. We could get them out in the open. I could think of definite times in my life where I was struggling with something, thinking I'm the only person going through this. Right. All of my friends are doing great. Right. And I'm struggling <laughs> with this. You can thank Facebook for that, right? Yeah. Everyone on Facebook is doing great, or or
1: they're doing so terrible, it's like I got to reach out to them right away. It's 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 extremes, right? Like you said, because it just sucks out. All the emotion. It just it sucks out the the human part of that. Yep. You're getting just text. You're getting text. It's kind of like when I used to talk to girls before I was married, of course, um, you know, and we would start by texting, you make up this version of that person in your head over text, and then you meet yeah. them, and they're so different. Yeah. Even though they say the same things that they said on text, the way they're saying it is not how you imagined it, right? So you're you're it's devoid of the actual human touch. Yep. Same thing goes with social media. Same okay. thing goes there. Um, but yeah, that's something I think we should definitely hit on next episode for sure, Um which i think is great so i mean this is this ended up being a really great conversation honestly absolutely i'm I'm hoping that maybe there's some couple out there who this helps because truth be told like i don't think anyone really has it together the way that we think they do and the ones who do i'm hoping they can give us all their wisdom on how to do it because i'm sure there are couples out there who are pursuing the lord of course and who want to do things and have great habits but how do you do that's the key i think what you said rob is great that sometimes you just have to do it you say you know what tonight we're going to read the word for a little bit we're going to talk about what's our future as a couple where are we heading you know what's our vision for our life what do we want to do that's something that i'm almost i'm almost over talk about with sarah because i just don't want to be that guy that's like complacent i don't want to look back in 40 years and say well, I had one job and um, I live comfortably and I have now I have a 401k and we have a, a house, it's almost paid off and that's my life. Like, I don't want that life, right? I want to be able to say, yeah, no, we traveled or yeah, our neighbor, we were able to reach out to them or we fostered these kids that didn't have a parent and this is, has changed our life and we've changed theirs. Like, I want to be able to have a, a life that is, is a good story, honestly, you know? And I think it can be hard for me especially to, to fight that temptation to settle down and live comfortably, for sure. So, anyway. Well, not too bad. Not too bad. You were worried about filling up the time and we obviously can <laughs> go could on. Keep going. We can keep going. But I think for I think our listeners at this point are probably muted us. So, um anyway, well thanks everyone for listening on this episode. It was it ended up being really great and a great dialogue and discussion. So we'll continue the conversation. I think uh, whenever we get our, our next episode up, because yes, you're absolutely right, Rob, time is short <laughs> and it's hard to get this consistent, yeah.
0: but it'd be good to talk about community and friendships and how that works. And I would love to hear from our listeners to say if they have tips, if they have, hey, this is what we do and it's been working for us. Yes. This is something that we're struggling with and we could really use that. How great would it be if one of our listeners called in and was like, hey, can you guys pray for us or whatever the case is?
1: It it would be great for two reasons. One, it proves that we have a listener. Yes. And number two, it'd just be cool to hear from a listener. So also, where can they email us, Rob? Uh, What is it? Podcast at
0: coffeetheologyandjesus.com. Awesome.
1: Also, before I forget, I got to say, this episode is brought to you by String Kits. Oh, that it is. Our first ever sponsor. (laughs) High five for that. High five. And why is it a sponsor, Rob? That's because it's my side business. (laughs) So um, this episode brought to you by String Kits. Yeah, obviously. What is String Kits, Rob, briefly before we we, we end our time here? Uh,
0: So String Kits is a business I started with a friend of mine. We do string art. We sell kits. We sell products. And we sell all the materials. So you can check us out, www.stringkits.com.
1: Perfect. They are pretty cool, I will say. When 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 I first saw one, I think in Elijah's room, I said, what is that? It's so unique so I'm glad you're doing that yeah we do lots of custom work so custom work alright well everyone thanks for tuning in on this week's episode um, have a great day night time whatever it is whatever, whatever it is, is. yes and we'll talk to you guys later on my to the size of my